It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the DeBell Brothers Podcast. My name is Clint Sabom and I'm glad to be here with all of you and thanks to all of our fans for coming out for our Kickstarter on Raira, Michael Sullivan's novel that we have adapted into graphic form. And for all of those of you who didn't get a chance, we are going to be selling all of the items again individually on backer kit probably starting november 20th or the 21st this month so if you missed out on our kickstarter you will have another opportunity to get it Uh, that's good news and the other good news is you've probably seen or maybe you haven't seen or if you don't know us we are the bell brothers publishing and we're happy to announce we have signed uh, mr bean Mr. Bean, the comic legend, uh, one of the funniest guys alive. Uh, It's kind of hard to differentiate him from the actor who created the character, who is sort of a child in a grown man's body. Excuse me, I'm looking for my wallet. But we're, we're going to be doing a lot of things with Mr. Bean and we are primarily a comic book company, or at least that's how we've we've made our name most so far. And we are going to be doing some Mr. Bean comics. So just stay tuned to DeBell Brothers Facebook for that, or DeBellBrothers.com. And the blog and the podcast, which I do a lot of it, is at DeBellBrothersPodcast.blogspot.com. And we, while I just talked about ourselves a little bit there, um, it's not all about us. It's also going to be a series of TV reviews, uh, TV shows and movies. And I'm going to do rather short segments or shorter. Not, It's not going to be one of those two-hour rambling podcasts where, the, you know, those fan review shows were you know, half or more than half of the show, you've got two guys just joking, going on tangents. And even though it's funny, they're not really talking about the show half the time. I'll cut to the chase and get to the show of this episode, which is The Exorcist. The Exorcist has been made into a TV series. You can watch it on demand on Hulu, as most of you probably watch these days. And it's good. It's good. It's really, I think, the only thing since the original, original movie that even competes with it. Uh, there's been so many just awful spin-offs 
but this show is a good one. And that was its little jingle right there. Uh, you might have recognized it from the show. Actually, that was not the jingle from the show. That was me whistling into a tin can, uh, as you can probably tell, or or at least it was bad sound quality. You decide uh, which one it was. But the Exorcist TV series is set uh, in modern times, and it's coming off the original novel, the original story. So the little girl in The Exorcist and the 70s uh, movie is now a mom and she's got two daughters and she's got a husband who seems to have a rather obscure uh, brain condition of some kind he had some accidents so something neurological is going on with him but he is one of the most reasonable voices in this series and she has an issue Angela rants with identity and walked away from her old identity and her old life, all the press with her mom and her mom uh, capitalizing on the exorcist, on the exorcism and the, the possession she underwent, wrote a book about it. They were on a bunch of talk shows and she was humiliated and traumatized, I guess, twice over. First, obviously, from the possession and then second from her mom getting publicity and money off of it. But anyway, she's walked away from all of that. But here again, it comes. So I guess we're getting some sort of genetic or family line uh, connection between uh, demonic possession, uh, you know, as far as who it happens to and who it doesn't happen to. And for those of you that have been reading my blog, I've written a couple of blogs so far on this series because the series is starting to get pretty well developed and also uh, into a territory where apparently the Vatican has been infiltrated with demonic forces. And my, my most latest... Uh, blog on the exorcist toyed with the idea of you know is this plausible is this actually possible and one of the people I brought up who kind of came on the national scene at a very very similar time that the original uh, exorcist movie and novel came on the scene was a guy named Father Malachi Martin and he had been a Jesuit and released, uh, I guess partly released from his vows. He had some arrangement with the church as far as being released, but not fully. I think he maintained his vow of celibacy and still considered himself very much a priest, even though he lived in New York City and worked jobs, worked odd jobs and Tried to make it as a writer, uh, as most writers do. But he had some success with his breakout book, Hostage to the Devil, where he basically writes accounts of five real-life exorcisms. And he writes them in this narrative way that, that reads just as good as fiction, arguably better than fiction, 
because you know it's real, or at least it's purported to be real. He didn't write this under the guise of fiction. Later, he wrote novels about the Catholic Church and about drama inside the Vatican uh, that was written under the guise of fiction, but that he said uh, was mostly true. But but he, he changed names and covered it in fiction, I guess, to protect people and protect himself and, you know, it's just a whole lot of valuable information. And he had, in fact, been on the inside of many Vatican discussions in Vatican II and had known uh, several of the popes and offered them counsel. He was really well ed- educated. But anyways, in the, in the mid-70s, he wrote Hostage to the Devil, and that was a story of five exorcisms. Uh, and it, it's a fantastic book. It, it's not uh, the phenomenon is uh, described very similar to um, the fictional novel, the original movie, and this series. Uh, there's there's just a discussion of five different cases, and it's told kind of from the inside of the person undergoing the possession and the priest that's working with them because it's such a challenging thing for a priest to undertake that it becomes kind of a life and death thing for the priest as well and it becomes its own uh, kind of journey or odyssey but not in any sort of glamorous romanticized way it can it can certainly scare off a lot of priests in fact most most priests don't want to get anywhere near it so Anyways, that's that. That's a real life uh, Catholic priest uh, that that's written about all these subjects. That very much ties in with all the material in this series. Uh, Father Malachi has some good interviews with that uh, with that guy Art Bell. He used to do that show Coast to Coast about aliens and paranormal stuff, but. Um, you know, actually, fantastic broadcaster. The show's still going. Uh, I, I don't. Art Belden hosted. I think it's George Norrie now. But on YouTube, there's some great interviews with Malachi Martin. You can listen to. And as much as it's tempting to want to think he's exaggerating or a little full of it, uh, listening to him in, in audio interviews is very convincing. Uh, I mean, he's just very well spoken. He's a great writer, you know. If if he's making it up, he certainly uh, he certainly has a good imagination. I don't think he's making it up. I think that there's been other clerics and other spiritual leaders and writers. Um, I'm thinking right now of Scott Peck, who wrote The Road Less Traveled in the 80s, who who said that Malachi Martin was a little lion leprechaun and. Uh, Malachi Martin was actually from Ireland, so that was a leprechaun reference. But anyways, that, if you are interested, is some real-life kind of documentation of kind of this material, uh, which the show really works wonders with. And in the show, you've got two main priests as well, one of them excommunicated and a little crazy, the other one kind of the good priest, the... Latino guy wanting to please his grandmother and yet finding himself not really knowing why he's doing it, questioning his vocation, questioning 
what he actually believes and you know having having a rough time having a rough time of it um and getting drawn into this drama in the church where he's basically kind of getting offered this promotion to to have more power within uh, the Catholic Church and his parish is getting financial donations or more like bribes from some church insiders and you know Father Tomas is, is kind of just not sure about this whole thing and also a little scared and also still very much attracted and in love with an ex-girlfriend that he left to uh, become a priest, but he just can't quite seem to let go of her and struggles with celibacy. So, you know, a lot of realistic stuff. There's no sugarcoating it. Um, You know, the priests are humans. There's um, nuns in, I guess, a kind of monastery or uh, nunnery uh, where they also work in this field uh, with prayers and healing and um, have kind of a feminine approach to exorcism. And they they have senses of humor and they struggle with stuff. And so it's very, very good inside look, I think, at how how a lot of things, at least from my own experience, being inside situations like this. I did live in a monastery for a while. Um, it's it's very well done. Uh, the characters are very well uh, fleshed out, and I think the actors are doing a great job. There I am again, whistling, but that's not whistling into a tin can there, actually. That's whistling into a little um, sewer drain, you know, those those kind of holes in the curb there. And I was bending down and whistling uh, the Exorcist theme song, and I was holding my cell phone and recording it and trying not to drop my cell phone in the sewer. And then I took that MP3 track and I uploaded it here. And um, I don't know. I don't know what y'all think. Let's hear it again. Well, anyway, just trying to keep things light. Because, you know, it's kind of a heavy subject here. And I think one of the things that may be a little bit hard for more contemporary viewers to wrap their head around is just that uh, the divine evil could really have that much power because, you know, you're basically looking at uh, a situation here where, uh, you know, there's this thing called integration where the demon is not only possessed, but it, it becomes one with the host and there's no going back. And then you seem to have these people inside the church that are consciously choosing to either be possessed or be servants of uh, evil uh, or Lucifer. And then you also have these kind of, uh, I don't know if you want to call them homeless people 
or victims that <laughs> live in live underneath the city uh, in the subway, but there's just a whole lot of people that seem to be uh, fully taken over in in the city. Chicago is the city this all takes place in, and so it could be hard for for viewers to wrap their mind around the fact. Viewers, especially that may be skeptical of God even existing, uh, to wrap their head around the fact that there could be evil forces this strong. But it's still a lot easier, I think, than uh, werewolves or vampires. You've got so many horror shows that just have all this strange stuff. And, and you know, some directors are getting real creative and doing it well and coming up with scenarios of different kinds of otherworldly forces that that scare their protagonists and at the same time you have a lot of horror movies right now on netflix i think that are just kind of cheap spin-offs of the original kind of exorcist material but they don't do it anywhere near uh half as well so there's that but in this show right here i think that uh, regardless of what you actually think, the show does a very good job of realism in the sense of just uh, how well the characters are done, how, how well the city's done. Um, you know, it, it really kind of touches on some themes that are going on now, I think, in the culture as far as the 1%, uh, an elite kind of class controlling lots of money and having kind of uh, money that, that seems to be a little bit unaccounted for or embezzled in the names of companies that don't exist. And then you have other poor sections of the city. And then there's this one one point where the Rances are publicly asking for help in locating their daughter. And you have a lot of poor blacks out there basically uh, protesting saying, you know, we've had tons of crime, we've had tons of uh, crazy stuff happen in our neighborhood, but, um, you know, we're not rich and privileged, or uh, we don't have a relative that's a movie star, so we're just being ignored. Meanwhile, uh, the Rances are getting all this attention, uh, you know, from, from the media and everything. So you've, you've just got a lot of things playing in, that give it a very palpable sense. And you've got a lot of doubters, too. Uh, you've got a lot of people just thinking, you know, maybe I, they, they can't quite wrap their head around this. Uh, the immediate family, after a while, seems to see uh, how bizarre uh, Casey is acting, uh, that they basically just kind of concede that there's something more powerful and more mysterious that they don't understand and it is the right decision to basically have the church uh, take over although there's still this kind of ongoing thing of, of well maybe maybe she should go to the hospital and and that's kind of an issue as well because and it's a valid issue because there's something I think that seems careless about keeping someone in the condition and I mean the makeup and the special effects and everything are just pretty exquisite in this show so that uh, the the 
young teenage girl who's possessed just looks like in an awful condition. So the the idea of keeping her somewhere uh, to let to let priests be the healers and keeping her away from the hospital uh, seems ridiculous. But but of course, like any good uh, movie on this subject, uh, you know, science doesn't quite have the answers and they don't quite understand. So then it goes into the realm of uh, the supernatural. So anyways, these are just some initial thoughts. I'll probably do some more shows and more blogs on this movie uh, as it progresses, or this TV series, rather. And I certainly hope they keep this going. I, I don't want it to cancel. Sometimes it seems, for some strange reason, uh, money or marketing purposes or time slots or programming issues or drama with the staff, whatever it is, a lot of good shows get canceled after the first season. And just we do, we don't we don't get to keep seeing them. So I hope I hope the Exorcist continues. And thanks to all of you for listening. And again, you can check out our main page at DeBellBrothers.com. You can check out my blog at DeBellBrothersPodcast.blogspot.com. And Facebook though is really just our main place to keep posted, especially with a lot of the Mister Bean stuff coming up. Uh, this week, it's going to be exciting. So, so find the Bell Brothers on Facebook and just pay attention to what we have going. We, we are launching, uh, all sorts of stuff at the end of this 2016 calendar year that I'm sure you're going to be excited for. So I'll, I'll talk to y'all next time. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.